If you were given the opportunity to spend 10 minutes with anyone that you wanted to spend 10 minutes with that is living today, I want you to picture in your mind, who would that be? Given 10 minutes, anybody on the planet. I thought about this myself last week, and I, I think I'd go with Morgan Freeman. I think he's a great actor. I love Morgan Freeman and just about anything he does. Uh, driving Miss Daisy, he was incredible. But answer that question, who would you spend, they have to be living, no Abraham Lincoln's out there, who would it be? What stops you? What stops you from spending time with that person? I think two things, if not more, two things. First, accessibility. You can't get to them. If they're famous, if they're a political figure or a, a movie star or a, a great artist uh, in some way, you can't get to them. I understand that. If, if they're famous at all, they're, they're wanted by a lot of people. The second thing that would stop me from sitting down is the question of whether they would want to spend 10 minutes with me. You know, they're busy people. Who are we? So the accessibility part and the listening ear of that person, would they really care that I would talk to them for 10 minutes? As we study the Gospel of John, I am impressed at the accessibility of Jesus Christ. Anyone could walk up to him. Anyone. Nicodemus could do it. Uh, the prostitutes could do it. In fact, when he was invited to a party, look at the people who came. They weren't the religious people. They were the people that the religious people looked down on. And it tells me a lot about him that he was comfortable with those people. And they were comfortable with him. You don't go to a party if you don't feel like you're welcome there. You don't come to Jesus unless there's something in what Jesus is projecting out to these people in this gospel that attracted them and drew them in. Imagine God in the flesh accessible. You can't get near the person you were thinking about, probably. But you can get near him real quick. The beautiful thing is he cares about what you're going to say to him. I just want to throw that in there as we look at John chapter 3, beginning down in verse 17. It's really not the topic of the message, but I want you to see the accessibility of Jesus Christ. I think it's a beautiful thing that anybody could come to him at any time. And he was the God of the universe. Amazing stuff. John chapter 3, verse 17, it's naturally the verse that follows the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16. And it addresses for us the purpose of his mission and why he came. Now don't miss why he came. Don't miss the purpose. You say, well, it's obvious why he came. Not to everyone, not to all religious circles, not to every denomination, not to all camps. Listen carefully to why he came. Look at verse 17. For God sent 
not his son, into the world to condemn us. Wow. Uh, We are children of the fall. We are children of the fall of sin. And we are a mess. And the maker of the universe shows up. And he says this, I did not come for the direct purpose of condemning you. Everybody breathe a fresh air. You ever get called into the boss's office? You ever get called into the principal's office? You ever get called into someone of great authority? Your first question is, what did I do wrong? Isn't it? Sometimes I'll grab some of you and say, hey, come talk with me. I don't get halfway across the parking lot with you before you say, all right, what did I do now? That's our natural reflex, isn't it? Why is that? Why can't we say, hey, what, what, you know, I used to say this when the boss called me in the office. This is embarrassing. How many awards do I have to win? <laughs> it never helped the situation because I didn't get the award, but that's what I would try to start off on a positive note. You know, the other employees are starting to talk about, you know, all this recognition of my efforts. Well, Mike, it really wasn't about that, I figured. But when God shows up, it's not to point the finger at us. It is not for the purpose to put us down. Everybody puts us down. The worst thing is we put ourselves down. And God is here, shows up in the person of Jesus Christ, not to do that. Look, everywhere you, religion will put you down. I'm sorry, let me say that again. Religion will put you down. Absolutely. Family sometimes does it. Friends sometimes do it. Enemies definitely do it. But the ones that hurt are the closest to us. God, who knows us like no other, did not come to condemn us. Hallelujah! That's, that's, that's enough sermon for today. Let's go home. You're not getting away with that. Look at verse 17. For God sent not his son into the world for the purpose of condemning the world. Now, I know it says world there, but put your name in there. Make it very personal to you. God didn't send his son to condemn Mike. Put your name in there. Make it personal. Notice verse 17. But that Mike... You and I, the world, notice, through him might be saved. Let that word ring in your ears. My mom, who became a Christian later in her life, said, you know, those Baptists were always talking about being saved. All of a sudden, I look at the Bible, and there it is all the way through it. That's just not a denominational name. That's a Bible word. Notice Jesus did not come to teach us that the world through him might be taught. He taught beautiful stories and parables. You can't live by those stories and parables. Notice he didn't come to repair us. He didn't come to improve us. 
He did not come to make us happy and wealthy. Are you listening very carefully? He did not come to fulfill your life because our situation was whole. He didn't come to remodel us. He came to save us because our condition was that we are lost beyond repair without him. Do you understand the depth of that? This is not preached in every church. It is in evangelical churches, but not in everyone. This is not the message you'll hear on the TV or radio most of the time. If I were in, if you, if I were in a stream of flowing water, and there you were on the bank with a rope, and the current was too much, and I was heading toward a waterfall, what would I say to you on the bank with the rope? Would you teach me a beautiful story? Would you help me out here? And the man shouted, yes, backstroke, very hard. (laughs) But I tried and couldn't do it. Would I say, would you... Would you repair me? Would you help? Would you? No, I'd scream, would you save me? Because the current is too much. Your need today is to be saved if you're lost. Your need today is not to learn more of the teachings of Jesus, but to have the life of Jesus planted within you because without him there is no life. If I were to show up at a junkyard full of wrecked and total cars and I were to say, I am not here to condemn the cars. The reason is because the cars are already condemned. I'm here to salvage, to save, to redeem, to rescue. That is the message of the Bible. And that is the purpose of His coming. Don't nonchalantly take that and listen to that and think, oh, that's just what I've heard all my life. That is not preached as it should be. Sin is the topic of what I want to talk to you about, and we'll go on some more verses. But to the level that you understand the fall of, of Adam and the condition that it left us in is the condition and understanding that you will understand the cross of Jesus Christ and his salvation that he redeems us from. Evan Hopkins in his book, The Law of Liberty in the Spiritual Life, opens with a chapter on sin itself. You know, when we're young, everything's black and white, isn't it? Everything's idealistic. We get older and grow up a little bit, and and the black and white things begin to gray, don't they? There's more gray areas the older you get, and probably there needs to be. But there's one thing that is not gray, and that is sin and righteousness in Christ. It is black and it is white. It is light and it is darkness. 
There is no gray. The world would tell you everything's gray. There is no sin. Don't label people like that. If you label them, you libel them, and there, there is no right and wrong. There's just people who didn't get a good upbringing. But sin is sin. Darkness is darkness. And there is a thing called evil. And it dwells within the heart of man. Look at how much trouble political leaders get in if they begin to talk about evil empires overseas. And you just mention any of this stuff and you're taboo in our society. Hopkins writes this about sin. What then is sin? So widespread and universal is the existence of evil that we are apt to regard it as an inseparable adjunct of our human nature. But sin is not an essential element of the constitution of our humanity. We know that it was not in man originally, nor will it be in man finally glorified. Neither does it exist in the man Christ Jesus. And yet there is scarcely a fact to which we are not more conscious than the presence of evil. It meets us on every hand. Its desolating influence is seen and felt by all. Listen to what he writes. Sin is no mere figment of our imagination. It is a terrible reality. It is no vague, indefinite shadow. It is real and it is specific and it is evil. One man has wrote it like this. Mankind has been created for an intimate connection with his creator. He has been designed to draw his very life from the one who loved him supremely and desired his greatest good. But a terrible choice was made shortly after. The choice that has that he has made has affected all of us. We are so far removed from the crime scene that we fail to see the horribleness of this event. It was in the going of our own way that we walked away from him, thumbing our noses up at the offer of his love and counting as nothing all that he has done for us, willfully placing ourselves outside of his life We decided to draw life from our own selves, resulting in the tragic history of the demise of mankind through the centuries. To all that, Jesus appears and says, look, I am not here to condemn you in that state. I am here to rescue you, that through me you might be saved. That through me, Christ says. Look at verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned. Listen listen carefully to the declaration of the Son of God when he says that the condemnation can be lifted off of you by by the act of believing. Notice in verse 18, but he that believes not is already condemned. People are not condemned by their actions and deeds. They are not condemned by any sin that they commit. We lie condemned. 
for the very reason that got us into the condemnation, not believing in Jesus Christ, not believing in God. Notice verse 18, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now don't miss a word in that verse. Because he has not believed in the name of the Son of God, which is Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh who is God Almighty incarnate in a human being. It's very important that you listen to that verse, that who we believe in is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Who we believe in is not the created Son of God, the begotten Son of God. There is a distinct difference. Jesus Christ is the begotten, not created, Son of God. He is God in the flesh. Verse 19. And this is the condemnation. This is the judgment. Notice, it has nothing to do with the acts and deeds of men. Men are not condemned by their actions. Notice, what the condemnation is. That light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. There it is, black and white. Light has come into the world in the person of Jesus Christ. Men do not come to Jesus Christ because they love darkness. Now think about this for a second. What is darkness? Darkness is simply the absence of light. All around us is darkness, but you don't see it because the sun is up. The darkness does not overcome the light. The sun just sets every night and goes away, at least is hidden from us. Now we don't know what darkness is in the physical realm. Because at night, there's still the reflection of the moon. And even on the darkest nights, there's some type of illumination from the stars, is there not? Darkness, which we do not know, perhaps can be best seen in the caves down under the earth. When you turn the lights off, and there's nothing there. When Jesus Christ came into this world, he brought with him the light of God himself present with us. Notice verse 19. This is the condemnation that light has come into the world. The men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. Again, a very unpopular... You've got, to, you've got to decide whether you're going to believe the world and the society we live in or you're going to believe the testimony of the Bible. Amen. Because in your academic institutions and in your schools and in society as a whole and in our political realms, evil and sin has been grayed out 
immensely. If a preacher preaches about sin and evil in the hearts of men, it is devised as hate speech. That's what it's called. Now we don't pick, we don't in this church pick out any particular sins to beat up and harp on. Because you see in this verse that the heart of sin is the deeds of evil and the darkness within men. That is shown in a thousand different ways. So we don't pick one because no one way is worse than the other. Sin is sin. Sin is an independent spirit, a rebellion against God and the light, and a refusal to come to the light. That is sin. Sin can be seen in the successful businessman who religiously goes to church every week. And in his heart is in darkness. Mm. Verse 20. For everyone that does evil hates the light. Neither comes to the light. Why? Because his deeds should be shown fully and reproved. There's a famous story of a revival that was, took place in Mississippi years ago. And, and many of the upper echelon society ladies were coming to Christ. And there was a lady in the city well known for her good deeds, benevolence. Religious duties. Went to church all the time. The ladies came over and talked to her about coming to the revival and hearing about Christ and the blood and the redemption and the salvation that's there for her. She said, I'd rather not go. And the ladies put a little pressure on her to come to hear about the blood of Christ. And she stomped her foot and looked at them and said, I hate Christ. The heart of man, of the religious, of the good. There is evil within that will not come to the light. Look at the last verse and we'll, we'll talk about some principles, okay? Look at verse 21. He that doeth good comes to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest. That they are worked or wrought in God. Notice the word, he that doeth the truth comes. The word in the Greek is in the perfect tense, meaning comes again and comes again and keeps coming to God because God is working in the life and it's not the person themselves. Three things. Number one, he came to save us from our sins. What is sin? It is, I think Oswald Chambers said it best. It is white-fisted rebellion in the face of God. It can be seen in the heart of the religious person who so embraces their religion with pride that they will not come humbly as a sinner to Christ. It may be seen in the well-respected who, like Naaman, will not go down and be washed in the dirty Jordan. He's above that. Let others be called sinners, but not me. I'm a good man who pays my bills and goes to work every day and raises my kids and 
and believes in America and, and, and does the patriotic thing and, and I've got a heritage of this and, and I don't need this. It can, be, it can be seen in the prostitute. It can be seen in the overtly sinful and, and those who you'd never point anything outwardly and yet he came to save us. From our rebellion. There's nothing religious about this at all. This is about a decision about the begotten Son of God and His purpose to come and bring light into your life. Number two, what condemns us? It is unbelief. That's what condemns us. Not, have I done more good than bad? Not that I'm a member of this church and I've been here for so long. Not, none of those things bring us to God. What condemns us is no evil deed at all. It is the fact that we have not believed on the Son of God. The person of Jesus Christ. You know, it can't get any simpler than that. I love this because this is so simple. A child could understand it. Thirdly, this. This is why we say that faith is a moral decision. It is not a decision of the mind or intellect. It is a moral decision to recognize that I am sinful before God. I was born in that sin. I was born in that rebellion. And I must come to faith in the begotten Son of God, in His mission to save me. Unbelief is it. People do not go to hell for any sin they commit. Perhaps their punishment in hell might be a little hotter. But you don't go there for anything you do. You go there because you have not believed. You say, I've always believed. No, you haven't always believed. That's impossible. We were born in unbelief. We were born in sin. Now, we had some years of innocence before we knew right or wrong. But the condition of sin was within us. And when we got to a particular age, we didn't become sinners. We simply displayed the fact that we were sinful. And in need of a Savior. It doesn't get any simpler than that. Jesus came to save us. It is your unbelief that keeps you condemned. And listen to the strong words of Jesus. If you don't believe on him, you're condemned already. Your phone is ringing. (laughs) The Holy Spirit's dialing your number. Are you listening? You can ignore that ring all you want. But until you pick it up, you're outside the family of God. You can't do enough religious good works. You're in the stream fighting the current. Fight all you you want. You're going over the waterfalls. And you will perish without Him if you go in that condition. Throw your pride away. 
Look to the one who is on the shore with the rope and say, save me. Throw me the line of the gospel. I will embrace it. And I will come home. You know, you can stay in that water all you want. You can ignore that phone call. But if you ignore that phone call, you continue in a state of unbelief. Won't you come to Christ today? The Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. Next week's not the week to come and get saved. This very moment is. That's not the words of a preacher. That's the words of Scripture that says, if you hear His voice this day, pick up the phone and answer it. Respond to the gospel. Today is your day of your salvation. 